Prepare yourselves, loyal listeners. On tonight's very special episode of Hops and Box Office Flops, we'll be taking a journey into the dark depths of madness with our pals from Hop Nation USA. We're headed on a hop-fueled trip into a terrifying world filled with robed cultists, unspeakable Lovecraftian horrors, and worst of all, Canadians. Welcome to the void, eh? Hops and Box Office Flops. A place where we can celebrate the underdog films, the bombs, the disasters, the much maligned movies that have drowned in their infamy. So please sit back, grab a beer, and enjoy the show. Welcome back, and thank you for joining us on the 114th episode of Hops and Box Office Flops, presented by Wobam Entertainment. We are the Inner Google's premier podcast dedicated to bad movies and good beers. For tonight's pod, we are joined by our beer podcasting brothers from another mother at Hop Nation USA, and we'll be reviewing a movie of their choice, and boy, did they pick a doozy. This episode, we're reviewing a Canadian-produced indie horror film, 2016's The Void. Joining me on tonight's pod is the charming yet troubled local sheriff, the Thunderous Wizard. Uh, I, I couldn't come up with like a good quote. So yeah, here I am. I'm kicking ass and taking names. So Yeah, this movie is strangely devoid of one-liners. I will say that. Uh, but it is, it is a serious-toned horror movie, so I guess that's par for the course. And uh, joining us as well are the Dark Lords of the Universe themselves, Adam and Steve, from the Hot Nation USA podcast. Hello. Yes, thank you for having us on the show. It's great to be here. Hey, the pleasure is all ours. Thank you for joining us, guys. Uh, and thank you for recommending this movie. It was a blast. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Hey, and you can find Hops and Box Office Flops on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Hops at BO Flops and anywhere you can download or stream the finest podcasts. And as always, you can find me chanting dark incantations at the old gods on Twitter at Chumpzilla8. Gentlemen, we'll start with the Hop Nation guys first. Where can the listeners find you on the socials? Adam, why don't you go ahead and do Hop Nation? Really? Yeah. Why don't you go Really? Ahead? Wow. Yeah. So you can find us on all the social medias, the Twitter, the Instagram. Uh, look us up, Hop Nation USA. Put an at in front of that. Uh, that'll get us all the socials. If you're looking to listen to us uh, every Friday, as you should, uh, find us on all your major podcatchers, uh, Podbean, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Uh, what else we got? iHeartRadio, iTunes. Turns out we're on iTunes as well. Check us out. We're there every Friday. And Steve, leave yes. a five-star review because... Uh, we are a six-tentacle show, but they only let us use five. <laughs> and that's a bigger crime than you making me think about tentacle porn right now. Ah, gotcha. Oh, man. Good old hentai. But uh, yeah, the, uh, the reason why I let you do that, Adam, is because also I have a new horror podcast myself. Oh, really? With, yes. With uh, two other uh, beer denizens of the Western Pennsylvania area. I'll say that. <laughs> but, oh, right uh, on. It's a it's a master Cicerone, a brewer, and then myself, who is a leech on the community. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, we are we are doing the show. Halloween is forever. And every month we'll take three different horror movies and put them up against each other and see to who can come up with the uh, the best horror film of a subgenre. 
but uh, you can follow us at Halloween is forever on Instagram or hello forever on Twitter. And we're on all the same big market podcatchers, Apple, Spotify, etc. Very cool. Very cool. And thunderous wizard, where can the listener and our mothers find you on the socials? Well, you know, when I'm not uh, spearheading a uh, sex and death cult, my basement, and slash place of work you can find me at writer tlk on twitter but i'm pretty busy with the sex death cult these days so i haven't been as active now with that, more tentacles yeah yeah 20 percent more tentacles yep. hey, and don't forget to check out the thunderous wizards reviews on wobam entertainment that's at w-o-b-a-m-e-n-t on twitter and instagram for all the occult media coverage your black and soul desires but be warned it comes at a price. So that brings us to beer. And for tonight's pod, we've got a dueling beer review. The guys from Hop Nation have a, a selection they've chosen. And uh, Chumpzilla's got a local one here. Sorry, T-Dubs. Um, I'll, I'll be selfish and I'll go first. Uh, for tonight's pod, I picked the aptly named Cosmic Debris uh, from Creature Comforts Brewing out of Athens, Georgia. It is a double IPA that checks in at a Captain Cash approved 8% ABV with 80 IBUs, and it is a very hoppy double IPA, which is to be expected, but it's got some strong malt notes, and you do get a nice citrus, mostly lemon, uh, uh, fruit flavor to it with some herbs and a touch of melon, uh, which I do taste as advertised, and it pours a clear golden color with a solid three fingers ahead, and I have to admit, at 8%, I don't really taste the booze. This, this could be a dangerous double IPA. Uh, it's a very drinkable. And uh, the can art's pretty cool, so I'll make sure I snap a photo uh, of that to get up on the socials. Uh, Adam, Steve, what do you guys got for us tonight? Steve, you may as well introduce the beer. I introduced the podcast. Sure. So the beer we're drinking tonight comes right from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And uh, it is a very brand new brewery to our area for now until the next one opens up because damn we have so many <laughs> but uh yes it is coming from also aptly named necromancer brewing excellent yes and it is a black ipa uh the beer name not so much apropos it's just called poker face mm. <laughs> but it's cool because the uh the, the can art is dogs playing poker so that's fun everybody likes that <laughs> everyone does like that but, uh, and uh, I, I had the opportunity to uh, drink a little bit of this before the show, because why wouldn't I? And uh, for those that have never listened to our show, Steve is very much into the IPAs, whereas I am not. However, I will give a little bit of uh, a buffer for the black IPAs, which this, of course, is one. And I got to say, this is a, a very well-crafted beer, especially for a brewery that is just opened up within the last couple of weeks. I am... I, I am impressed with the drinkability of this beer. Yeah. Excellent. Hey, and I forgot the most important part of these beer reviews. We've got to rank them from one to three bad movies, as in how many bad movies would you sit through while drinking said beer? One being not so great of a beer, three movies being a pretty good beer. Um, uh, again, I'll go first with Cosmic Debris. I'm going to give it three bad movies. It is an excellent beer. Um, I am glad I picked it up. How would you guys rank the uh, poker face? So uh, just a little more info on it. Ours is only six and a half alcohol and it's uh, only 60 IBUs. Okay. So it's, you know, not, not as heavy as yours. 
personally, I'd give this two bad movies. Uh, I don't know that I could go a third movie without having something, you know, higher octane just to kind of space me out. And <laughs> sure. I think uh, eventually my palate would just burn out, but also it's not going to get me, uh, get me going as it were. So I would agree with the, uh, the two movie review on that one, but for slightly different reasons, uh, it is not due to the craftsmanship of this beer. It is a very well-crafted beer. Uh, if mm-hmm. you like black IPAs and you can get your hand on some of this, do it. But it's simply because the black IPA style and IPAs at large is not something that I go after. So I'm going to switch over after the second movie regardless. Um, I just would need something different because this style is not in my wheelhouse. So no, right on. And in my experience... Because I'm, I'm a big IPA guy. I really do enjoy the bitter, hoppy beers. Mm. Uh, but for whatever reason, I don't know if it's just psychological or what, but I feel like the black IPAs fill you up faster. Like I just, for whatever reason, I don't know if it's just because it's so dark and you look at it in the glass and it feels like it should be heavy. But yeah, I can never have more than just a couple before I'm like, oof, I got to switch to something lighter. Yeah. Well, that, and I think the other thing is the, the grain bill on these tend to be a lot more malt forward. You get a lot mm-hmm. more... So it is a bit more dense than some of your other yeah. IPAs. Yeah. Although interestingly about this one, I'm glad you brought that up, Adam, because this is this one's a little different. Uh, a lot of the ones include like deep roasted barley or carafa, mm-hmm. and this one is actually made with like midnight wheat to achieve the dark color. So hmm. it's still rather light drinking. Yes, as compared yeah. to as compared to some of the other ones that we've had recently from like Grist House and Hitchhiker which like hops of darkness from grist house. That one was a real heavy, real roasty, uh, bitter beer, but this one's pretty light and uh, flavorful comparatively. Mm, nice. Yeah. As far as black IPAs go, this one is very, very drinkable mm-hmm. nice. in terms of you could just sit there and relax with it and just have yourself a time instead of kind of, like you said, with some of the black IPAs where you kind of had to chew your way through it a little bit. Yeah. This one I is like. not like that. <laughs> no, very cool. Well, hopefully they get some decent distribution going and it makes the way down to to the south because i'd like to check it out it's gonna be some time but yeah yeah well <laughs> hey talk to your your friendly ups guy yeah, yeah right on <laughs> and make sure he doesn't <laughs> ask questions yep 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 well hey let's get to the tail of the tape for the void uh for a release date it hit the festival circuit uh in september of 2016 and it had a limited north american theatrical run in the spring of the following year 2017 the void pulled in $386,000 worldwide on a budget that we're going to say it was probably just under a million bucks or so. Uh, there's no hard numbers available, but we do know that they raised $82,000 via crowdfunding just for the practical effects. Uh, I'm sure the movie has come close to breaking even with revenue from streaming services and the home media market, but it was in no way a box office moneymaker, so it qualifies for the pod. The movie was released unrated, and it's safe to say that it is a hard R horror flick with a genre standard running time of 90 minutes. Rotten Tomatoes has it ranked at 77% with a user score of only 47%. I'm not sure why the user score is lower on this. Odd, right? Yeah, yeah. that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Like, this is not like a critic-friendly like genre for a horror movie, but this is a very well-done horror movie that I can see critics saying, like, oh, it's great, it's creepy, it's atmospheric. And I thought fans would eat it up because it's also like a practical, you know, gore fest, but whatever. Man, fans are weird now. What, what I was guess Fickle Bunch. 
<laughs> so when they Suspiria maybe. I know Mother got an F, cinema score of F. That was pretty like a oh, Darren uh, movie that like was really yeah. well reviewed. It's a it is a weird movie, but it, like yeah, I mean it's all people it, that, like that, straightforward that, shit. I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, yeah I, I watched Mother, and it's weird for the sake of weird. Um, it reminds me a lot of Annihilation, where the whole movie's metaphor. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's just a tough sell because your general audience doesn't really think that hard about a sci-fi flick or a horror flick. But whatever. Hey, the same pattern persists with Metacritic. You got a 62 uh, Metacritic score with a user lower at 5.9. Again, what's with these lower user scores? Like this is like good horror. Fans should be eating this up. I, I'm perplexed. Yeah. Yeah, we just came off of some epic rock horseshit movies where the users were eating them up. Yeah. I, I'm not happy with these user scores. No. I, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So it's, it's a mystery. Yeah. The question maybe is how many users are actually reviewing this? And also um, we might, we'll probably get into it later, but like now that everybody has another movie by the same director that people are really into, are they going to go back and re-review the void or are they yeah. just not even going to know well, and to be fair, there is a 2001 movie, The Void, which seems pretty awful. So maybe some people got him confused. I don't know. Also possible. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> that's Very a good point. Yeah. But that, I, that's, that's my theory. But the Psycho Gorman rub will be real. I think people will go back and be like, oh, how did I miss this? Because I've never oh, actually yeah. heard of this movie. So, Yep, same here. Although I kind of want to see Manborg now, but it's uh, uh, it's pretty worth it. If you watch Manborg, Manborg has a lot of uh, what you see in uh, Psycho Gorman with just the goofiness, like yeah. over the over the top silliness. Um, it's not as good, but it's, it's since it's so early on, it's just you get to see those little gems, you know, kind of peer through. Nice. Yeah, it's yeah, very funny, good movie. Now, right on. So where can you find The Void? Well, you can find it for free on Sony's Crackle service, whatever that is. Uh, you can also find it for free on Tubi, um, uh, which I, I found out today as well. And it's on most of your standard streaming services to rent for $2.99, except on Apple TV, where it rents for $3.99. Fuck you, Tim Cook. Also, <laughs> be warned, if you watch it on Crackle, be prepared for a ton of commercials for diabetes medication, I mean, like so many Beatus commercials. It was enough to make even Wilfred Brimley brush insert the thing reference here. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> these are my testing supplies. Okay, well, hey, we've kind of hinted at it. This is directed uh, and written and produced by Stephen Kostansky and Jeremy Gillespie, aka the brain trust behind Astron 6 Productions of Manborg and Psycho Gorman fames. Um, it stars Aaron Poole as Sheriff Andy Griffith. I mean, uh, Daniel Carter. We also get Kenneth Twin Peaks Welsh as Dr. Powell. We have Kathleen Monroe as Nurse Allison Frazier. Uh, Daniel Fathers as Vincent, a.k.a. The Father. Meek. Uh, is that Mike? I don't know. I'm going to pronounce that guy's name wrong. Is it Mick? Mick? Mike? Let's go Whatever. Mick. <laughs> yeah. Mick, Mick Biscoff. Biscoff. Yeah. There you go. I need somebody to help Mick, me with my check here. Mick Biscoff. <laughs> yeah. Mick, Mick Biscoff is Simon, a.k.a. The Son. Uh, Evan Stearns as Junkie James, and we have Ellen Knives Wong as Kim, James Millington as Ben the Grandfather, Grace Monroe as the pregnant teen Maggie, and uh, that's pretty much the entire cast. There's a couple other characters here and there, but that's really just about it. Uh, 
IMDB describes the movie as follows. Shortly after delivering a patient to an understaffed hospital, a police officer experiences strange and violent occurrences seemingly linked to a group of mysterious hooded figures. All right, decent job, IMDB. But I don't think there's a big like mystery there about the seemingly related. Like, come on, it's clearly related to the hooded cultists surrounding the hospital, but whatever. Uh, anyway, good job, IMDB. You tried. All right, Thunderous Wizard, what is your one-line description for this movie? This is essentially Heaven's Gate, the dramatization. Like, hey, we're going <laughs> to lead you to a better place. Trust us. You really wanted to get that reference in there because I know you like that documentary. It's worth it. I mean, but okay. as I told you guys before we started, like, considering how cheaply they made this, and we've had, I think, eight Resident Evil movies that are all hot trash and don't resemble the first game at all it's like you could have made a really claustrophobic scary intense horror movie for a million dollars and it probably would have made a hundred million with the brand name yeah and they just could never do it. i would have decided to go like punk rock bullshit uh, craziness this movie sets a I nice would even- template i don't know I would even say, look at the Silent Hill movies. If you would have slapped a Silent Hill name on this movie, it would have made $100 million. You could have got real close. I mean, like, I think Thunderous Wizards in just the ballpark of like, look at all these video game films that don't take advantage of practical effects. You get weird at like, what's that one resident? I don't know which Resident Evil it is, but they kick the glass through the dog and it splits the dog in half like a goofy ass stunt and it's all CGI. Oh, it looks yeah. terrible. That might be the first one, but no, it's not I, the first one. I've it's definitely seen, like, it's the first or second. It's the first or second. I've seen like half of them, but they yeah. all have like intensely stupid. Like we made this for 3D theaters, right? And, and yeah. it's just crap. It's just crap. It's so so gimmicky. All right, so here's my one-liner for the void. Welcome to the Event Horizon Hospital. You won't need your eyes here. Sorry, eh? <laughs> Yeah. No, and I love Event Horizon, so I don't mean that as an insult. Like no, this movie, no. this movie was fantastically weird and and uh, uh, messed up in all the right ways. I really yeah, enjoyed it. Very close. Very close. Yeah. I mean, similar concepts, and that leads me into the plot summary, which I'm doing a little bit different this episode because I feel like most listeners probably haven't seen this movie, and I think it would be doing a disservice to give a detailed plot breakdown. So I'm just going to try to set the movie up. But I'm kind of giving away a little bit of the, the twist here when I compare it to Event Horizon. I mean, basically, the hospital gets possessed, right? And it's by evil forces and, and stuff gets progressively weirder. And it's awesome. So I'm going to keep this one very brief in general because I don't want to spoil anything. Because this is a very solid modern era horror flick with a couple of decent surprises. The movie opens with Vincent and Simon, the father and son characters, chasing a man and a woman out of a creepy farmhouse with the doors marked with black pyramid symbols. The woman is shot and burned alive on the front lawn while James, the guy that was running with her, escapes into the night. He's picked up by our main protagonist, Sheriff Carter, and taken to the local hospital for treatment. The hospital is where we meet the rest of our main cast, including Sheriff Carter's estranged wife and nurse, Allison. There's an old doctor, a young nursing intern, a pregnant teenager with her grandfather, and a few other canon father characters. Weird shit starts happening almost immediately including the hospital being surrounded by creeping cultists wearing white hooded robes emblazoned with that black pyramid symbol 
A state trooper shows up to inform the sheriff that James had fled the scene of a grisly multiple homicide. And when Vincent and Simon arrive at the hospital looking for the escaped James, the movie really cranks up the horror elements to 11. It's all Lovecraftian old gods madness and gore from there on out. I'm telling you folks, you just have to see it for yourself. So that's as far as I want to get into the plot. Does anybody else want to add anything to that? No, oh, I mean, once, hit that perfectly. Twice. Yeah. Yep. I think, I mean, uh, I think it's a great setup for a horror movie. This is definitely uh Rold's very bad day after he leaves letter. Kenny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I knew Adam yeah. would like that one. I did. Nice. I did. Nice. <laughs> no, I just love the setup for this movie. It's just such a great, solid setup for a horror flick. You've got this weird situation with the sheriff. He comes into the hospital. There's a little bit of tension there, just interpersonal stuff. And then it just gets weirder from there. It's great. The one thing I will say is, because I, I had no idea what this movie was when I you know, started in on it because these types of movies, I don't really like to look into too much of what it is before I start watching it. But the very, very first scene, I kind of assumed that everything was just going to be straight up murder porn through the whole thing. But then it shifted into a much better horror realm. And it, yes. I, think it, I think it did a, honestly a good job of being able to do that as well. Like it, obviously the first scene, you kind of want to hook the viewer and it did that. But it didn't stay in that little horror porn box. It expanded out into a much larger realm. And I really like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And right no, along with cool. it's just the it's the escalation mm. of the of the film. Because it goes from what you're saying, Adam, it starts at that farmhouse and then it moves on to cultists and then it moves into even crazier fucking like it just keeps getting wilder and wilder until the end. So yeah. Mm -hmm. what, I, yeah, what I really like is that the two guys, the, the mute son who is obviously abducted and saved by the dad and probably tortured, clearly, um, they don't just like show up. Like they take a while to get from where they were to the hospital. Mm -hmm. And it's building and it's building and it's building. And even when they get there, they don't know what the hell is going on, really. They just know that they got to stop these people. Right. Yeah. Like nobody knows really what's happening and it unfolds in a, a really organic way. And there's very subtle character stuff with the sheriff and his girlfriend or maybe wife. I, I, I think it's his wife, but it's, strange. Know, like, it's a strange wife. Yeah. They don't mm -hmm. go overkill with anything, but you still mm -hmm. get like, oh shit, like there's a messy situation here within this awfulness that is unfolding. Right. They let you know that there's a connection, but they don't lean on it as a, you know, they don't force it on you. You kind of yeah, have to, a, you know, pick it out yourself a little bit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The most exposition we get in the movie comes from the father and son. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they give the what little bit of information that is given. It comes from them. But uh, anyway, yeah. I mean, again, I like this movie. I'm glad you guys brought it to our attention because I really enjoyed watching it. I watched it three times. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, you pick up on little stuff every time you watch it again, but it's not like a super heavy movie either. I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's right there in that happy medium of like being a slightly above average horror movie in terms of its intelligence, but it's not like a puzzle that you have to figure out either. All right. Yeah. So that brings us to our movie ratings from one to six beers. Uh, you can have pain beers or enjoyment beers, but generally the lower the beer count, the better the movie. 
So for me, I'm going to give this two solid enjoyment beers. The creature effects are great. And there's a few genuinely creepy moments. It's a solid horror movie. I also love the fact that it's set in an ambiguous time period. It's got an 80s vibe to it. Yet you see black and white TVs alongside 90s style computer monitors. And the characters feel contemporary. Uh, oddly enough, even in the 90s, uh, or presumably the 90s or the late 90s or whatever, at the absolute latest, no cell phones in the movie. Mm -hmm. But uh, I will say, though, uh, even at the short runtime, I do find it to drag a bit in stretches. And I think part of the reason that I find that it slows down is because there's just too much going on with some of the secondary characters and it takes screen time away from the main narrative, uh, which is the sheriff, his wife and the doctor. So again, two solid enjoyment beers for me. Uh, Thunderous Wizard, do you want to give your movie beer rating? I would give this, it's an hour and a half. So you could have three enjoyment beers. You're going to have a good time, especially if you like horror movies and you like independent horror movies which honestly are the best kinds of horror movies because most mainstream horror is pretty formulaic garbage uh you'll like this you'll have a you'll have a good time with it um so i would say three because you can't have more like four would be pushing it for an hour and a half i mean really it's an hour and a half with credit so hour and 22 minutes or whatever so three i liked it i liked it a lot adam steve do you guys want to give it a ranking sure adam I, I think I would go two large enjoyment beers. I don't think I could go all the way to the third. Uh, I, I, I agree with uh, what you were saying about, about there were being too many subplots going on. We had a B plot and a C plot going on along with the A plot all at the same time. And it kind of, you know, everything kind of worked a little too thin in yeah. a couple of areas. But what was nice is they were able to all come back together in some, you know, I would say relatively clean fashion. Yeah. Uh, it, they tie the everything thing, up. They don't leave anything hanging. Right. Right. And the other thing that you mentioned was the ambiguous time frame. I actually went and looked on Wikipedia to look up the cop car that was used. Cause I know it was a Chevy Caprice. <laughs> I went and looked to see when they stopped producing that model. It was 1990, by the way. So you have to figure that, Eh, you figure you get three to five years out of a police car. So at most you're looking at 1995 is the when this was supposed to take place. So it was, it was weird. That, that it, had, it had that ambiguous time frame, but it was enough for me to take notice and go looking into it. Yep. There is a marked absence of cell phones or other modern devices. Like, yes, there is, there is a scene where specifically he answers it like a regular phone. Yeah, landline. So, but it, yep. like, you know, it looks, you know, it doesn't have a super grindhouse feel to it in terms of what they're wearing and whatever else, but it is interesting for sure. But maybe yeah. Canada's just 25 years behind us. You know? <laughs> well, it, well, that and it is an ambiguous rural setting. I mean, it's, I think it's clearly meant to be set in the States because they reference a state trooper. Mm -hmm. um, and he's not a, he's not a Mountie. Um, right. Uh, but yeah, but it doesn't give like any indications of where it's supposed to be or when exactly it's happening, you know, right. uh, which I, I dug that. It was cool. It was very, the whole movie is very atmospheric, the way it's shot and the color palette. Yeah, it's very cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's very the thing. Cool. The time period didn't matter. Well, correct. All right. Well, that uh, that works. That works. Uh, Steve, what do you say? So, yeah, just to kind of tack on to what you guys already said, uh, but the, the timeline as far as I would say it's a 
probably about pre 97 Iowa. That's where I said it in my mind. <laughs> but, that totally works. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like you think about cell phone coverage. It probably wasn't reached in Iowa and Nebraska. I've been to those States and they still seem 20 years behind. So I'm good with that. <laughs> but the movie as a whole, I'll give, I'll give two enjoyment beers and an edible. That way. There we go. You, you hit the edible first. And then maybe by the time shit starts going really wild, then you're, you know, it hits you. So, yeah. 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 Let's yeah. be clear here. Listeners. Uh, you want that edible to hit you like right in that last 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. if it does, and then that'll like, put you right over the edge. You're going to be, you're going to be freaking out a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> you're either yeah. freaking out or going on to more Lovecraft horror. Yeah. Either one or the other. <laughs> yeah. I mean, e- either you're panicked in the corner and like freaking out, or you're ready just to dive right into the triangle portal to whatever yeah. <laughs> you try to go yourself. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you just got, you just got to let go. All right. Well, uh, I think it's time for us to take a break here and grab another cosmic debris before we return for our general impressions or more of our general impressions of the void. But before that, here's a message from some guys claiming to be Pittsburgh's number three craft beer podcast. Those damn Yenzers. (laughs) Hey, everyone, this is Steve. And this is Adam. And we're part of the Hop Nation USA podcast. Pittsburgh's number three craft beer podcast. Join us every Friday for new beer reviews. We'll talk about the news, history, and homebrewing. Plus, we'll sit down with the best brewers and industry personalities that'll have us. So whether you're a casual drinker, a hazy boy hophead, or even if you're a whale hunting cellar hoarder, just search Hop Nation USA on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher and join the nation. Welcome back, folks, to our 114th episode of Hops and Box Office Flops, brought to you by Wobam Entertainment. Again, this is a very special episode of the pod with our friends from the Hop Nation USA podcast, and we're talking about 2016's The Void. We've covered the plot and our beer ratings. Now it's time to stare into the abyss that is our general impressions of the film. And I think we've already hit a lot of these notes, but yeah, this is a great atmospheric, independent horror movie that's full of gory, practical effects. It's got a decent story. Um, the character interactions in the script are very serviceable and there are a few plot strings that they try to weave in and out, but they do all pay off in the end. Yeah. I mean, personally, like I like weird horror movies. I like the event horizon. I like the first couple of the Hellraiser movies. And if you're a fan of those, this is right in that vein, right? Uh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah. And, and it doesn't feel like it's a ripoff or it's, you know, completely derivative of those films, but it is a Lovecraftian old gods, weird horror movie. And there's a lot of tentacles, which is always a, a, a bonus, right? I mean, who doesn't right. love some like probing <laughs> tentacle murder? Yeah. It, you got a lot of tentacles, but also like, uh, like you're saying, it has that Lovecraftian feel, but it kind of, it kind of encompasses everything Lovecraftian because there's a lot of cultists and a lot of weird things you know in lovecraft like you think about um whatever the tale is involving the 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 dagons the fish people you know you have like a fish cult in that uh you have all these weird tentacle monsters you have you know undying people you have just like people ripping their skin off yeah it is a lot (laughs) 
yeah, the whole concept is just madness, right? I mean, we, we mm-hmm. see we, we see a couple of characters just, you know, lose their minds basically because they're exposed to some otherworldly horror that's driving them over the edge because their fragile human minds can't comprehend it. Yeah. Um, it uh, gave me some Lord of Illusion vibes with the, the, the people cutting their shit mm-hmm. off. Mm-hmm. Like, For sure. Which, following, the, following the weird cultist in the desert, like the yeah. false prophet almost yeah and i like that the movie doesn't explain everything mm-hmm. um because it really doesn't have to because it makes everything creepy and it's like it doesn't matter why it's there to be creepy and like in in the good way it's like you can make up your own head cannon. there could be a story behind those triangle cultists or whatever in the pyramid which this is radio folks but steve's got a fantastic background right now of the dark pyramid yes um <laughs> which I, I finally noticed when he stepped away for a moment. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's just the weird symbolism. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty cool. Like they definitely nailed the vision. I think they had for this movie. They, they definitely did a good job of painting the picture for you without shoving it in your face. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nope. So, yeah. you know, I got some basic questions that I asked pretty much every pod uh, to the panel. You know, would you recommend watching this movie, Steve? It's a hundred percent. Yeah, I would because, you know, like we were talking about already, the uh, these the directors in of this film have a pedigree that starts with Man Borg. We didn't touch on it, but there's also a trauma film they released called Father's Day. I really suggest that one. Uh, but then there's Psycho Gorman that's out there, and everybody loves Psycho Gorman right now. Yeah. But also, if you get into their IMDb. These guys have a lot of uh, practice, like they work on a lot of other films that uh, are known, like Suicide Squad. Yep, they do. They do a lot of you know work in like the the art direction and production design. So they're probably providing like practical effects for other things that you didn't even consider. Mm. Yeah, I think it's fair to say these guys have a great eye for you know film. Mm-hmm. Like they they do put a. A, a good visual on film like th- th- this movie looks really good i mean it looks like it costs like at least you know two or three times probably what it oh, really yeah. did mm-hmm. agreed I, agreed I, I just think like if if you love psycho gorman or you enjoyed it and then you watch this these people they're talented because they're vastly different movies like they're not at all similar this is shot in a very like they, they use lighting in a really cool way. There's a lot of scenes um, uh, with flickering lights or the way they use the camera and, and camera tricks to, to, to maximize like the effects, like they're good. Like they, they have a bright future. They clearly know what works. Yeah. It's uh, and they're able to use it effectively. Mm-hmm. So, so thunderous wizard, would you recommend the viewer? Watch oh this yeah. Movie? Like, or the listener, if you like indie horror, like this is right in your wheelhouse. Even yep. if you're yeah. like a tepid horror fan, this is at least a lot more interesting. Like, don't go see Spiral, you know. Don't go see Saw Nine, which is a waste of freaking time. <laughs> like, watch something unique because this is this is different. better than the first Saw movie. I mean, you look at the dudes in in the robes with the with the triangles on the front of their mask, and that's a more interesting visual than almost you know eighty five. 90% of like big budget horror that's come out in the past year. Yeah. yeah it just yeah. is it, like, 
Yeah. They, well, can, they, consider how much they pack into this film compared to everything else. You know, you've been saying it a lot, uh, you know, TW, that like they are doing more effects and they're packing more into the film than you get at the theater with most anything else. Most other theater films are boring. Yep. So, Adam, would you recommend the listener watch this movie? So, I believe that I would. Uh, and, and this is coming from somebody that does not dabble in this genre in any way, shape, or form. Uh, horror, really? horror, horror films are not my thing. Okay. I, it's not <laughs> I my learned thing. something today. <laughs> and, and honestly, with that first scene, I, you know, what happens is like, ugh, this is going to suck. Yeah, it's going to be hostile. It's, it, it, it's just going to be just what kind of weird screwed up shit can we do to a body? And it didn't do that. Yes. There was obviously some, you know, some horror aspects and some, you know, Steve, you, you said that uh, the, the beer that we had, the poker face did not have a good name for it. I can tell that there's at least one scene where poker face is very apropos. Yes. In the oh, basement. Yeah. They did poke some face. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So he poked his own face, though. <laughs> exactly. So this beer is actually very apropos for that one particular scene, but it, it is a horror film without being a gross-out film. Yeah, that's very fair. Here's a quick question, uh, just to bring it up. If you were to watch more horror movies like this, mm-hmm. like would you be more into them as opposed to mainstream horror, which is really like it's become like the purge? whatever like i i think so yeah i i think so and i think part of it is and this is just my, my personal opinion if you're getting into that side of films i like to go more on the you know on on the otherworldly stuff you know getting into other realms and dimensions and things like that and the occult things rather than just somebody just clicking a switch in their brain and saying i'm just gonna just destroy this block and everything in it and just murder things because I can. Yeah. So it, this style of film, I, I think is a lot better. Yeah. And I would got, watch more of these. Almost like a sci-fi bent to it, right? It's yes. not just straight up slasher horror. It's more of that. Again, the Lovecraftian. And right, it's, right. it's got the whole, uh, otherworldly horror. It's got the whole, well, we don't have all the money in the world. You have to maximize the money. Right. When, when you get $50 million to make something, you realize you only need 30 and then they spend 20 extra anyway. It's like, well, yeah. what was the point? If you of don't spend this? it. They won't know. give it to you next time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I guess I could be wrong here, but I'll, I'll just bring this up to the panel because it just dawned on me. This movie doesn't rely heavily on jump scares at all. There might be like one or two maybe, but for the most part, it, that's another thing I think that's a trope of modern horror is the jump scare this movie doesn't rely on that it's nifty camera work there's a couple of real like awesome shots right i would call them more quick reveals yeah jump scares yeah Yeah, it's more about just the impending dread than like peekaboo i'm behind you it's more oh shit what's down the hall it's not somebody opening a closet to reveal nothing and then closing the closet door to have like there it is oh shit it wasn't in the closet. It was right next to me the whole time. I'm such an idiot. How did I not hear that? <laughs> right. Yeah. Which, uh, yeah, I enjoyed. Um, did this movie achieve what it set out to do? Steve? Sure. Absolutely. It's like yeah. I already mentioned, it is a reference heavy 
to HP Lovecraft works. You know, the other one we haven't mentioned, but it's very obvious is reanimator because you have a doctor experimenting on ah. bodies, trying to bring them back to life. That's another HP Lovecraft. So this whole movie is a love letter to Lovecraft works. You know, he has his problematic past and, but still the works themselves have value. Yeah. So. Well, and to be fair, he's as guilty as pretty much all of his contemporaries, right? Right. He, he doesn't stand out as being a bigot. That just sort of, that was just kind of uh, par for the course at the time, sadly right. enough. Yeah, exactly. It's just yeah. one of those things that it happens because, you know, it's 1910, 1920. It just is. Yeah. But his works still have merit. And so that's why they keep making things based on his works you know there's also yeah. not too long ago the color out of space yep and, that, and that's a direct but yeah this film itself is shout out nick cage i'm glad you brought that up shout out to richard stanley inaugural episode of hops and box office flops the island of dr moreau granted he didn't uh, technically oh, yeah. direct that but he did appear in the documentary that i also talked about yeah and he also starred in the film as a dog man hmm it, it, that that uh, documentary is one of the more interesting ones that is almost better than the film it's like uh, yeah like uh, Werner Herzog's um, the one he made about Fitzcarraldo is more famous than the film itself just yeah. because it's so like it, yeah arduous but yeah that film is a nightmare too it's it's crazy <laughs> uh, Jodorowsky's Dune even though that was never made like like it's an insane documentary mm-hmm. like oh, mm-hmm. I'm gonna make this insane movie Except I'm not. <laughs> Nobody's going to pay for this. Wait, T Dubs, what do you say? Uh, do you agree? Did this movie achieve what it set out to do? Oh yeah, I mean, it's a low budget horror movie. They did what they could within the constraints. They created a fully realized world, and you're engrossed in it. Like you, you're curious as to what everything is, and every yeah. step of the way, you're you're kind of sucked in. Um, yeah. There's and they made great, you care about the characters. Yeah. There's great visuals. It's it's shocking to me that they crowdfunded $80,000 to craft some of this stuff because it's truly creepy. It's it's super freaking creepy. Like there's a guy that comes out of like he's underneath like a, a sheet of plastic and he's all twisted and bent around. It's like, oh fuck, that's gnarly, man. <laughs> like <laughs> it does the crab walk. Like it does exactly yeah. what they want it to do. And obviously, you know, they're still making movies. So yeah. people, I have people to recognize it. They did yeah, something right. To, yeah, exactly. Because I have to imagine people saw this movie like in the industry. It's like, oh, these guys, these guys are on something. So, I mean, do you agree, Adam? I think it's probably unanimous. Again, we all said we should watch the movie. Uh, do we all agree? Is, did this movie achieve its goals? Yes, it is a clean sweep across the board. Yeah, no, I, I agree 100%. And I just want to point out, because we've mentioned the Lovecraft thing multiple times now. Uh, yeah, uh, not only was this movie like one of the best horror movies I've seen in a long time, at least modern ones, um, <clears throat> you know, and, and we've already mentioned it's competently shot, it's good, weird, full of gory practical effects, big, big Chumzilla Plus there. Um, I have to admit that uh, they did have a direct tie to Lovecraft in the sense that while they were working on Suicide Squad, I think uh, they were in the same studio or somewhere near uh, Guillermo del Toro while he was trying to get his uh, At the Mountain of Madness off the ground. 
Oh, no shit. Uh, which didn't happen. Yeah. Thanks, Prometheus. Um, and uh, they took these conversations they had with him at the time to try to find a way to do Lovecraft in a different way because uh, Del Toro was saying he wanted to you know, reimagine a Lovecraftian horror movie because he thought that'd be a really cool thing. And they're like, that would be really cool. Let's do something in that vein. And to the points about Psycho Gorman and uh, uh, Manborg, those were more tongue-in-cheek you know, movies, they wanted to do something with a more serious tone. So this is definitely a, a departure from them, from the previous work and then what they returned to. Um, yeah, they nailed it. Like, this is like perfect, like Lovecraftian horror. And uh, it's pretty impressive that they pulled it off with the budget that they had. Um, and I think we've kind of touched on this, but I'll ask it specifically without getting too spoilery. Do we have a favorite creature effect, kill and or scene? I'll start off with you, Adam. What you got? So it was already mentioned uh, whenever the the twisted figure that was coming out from underneath the plastic and doing that that ridiculous crab walk thing. It When you look at the budget that they had and the visuals that they ended up with, very impressive. It's yeah. very impressive they were able to pull that off. Well, that's clearly a contortionist, right? But Oh, absolutely. In, in great makeup. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but... It, when you take those two pieces of information, you put them together, it's, it's impressive. Yeah, it was creepy. And we've seen that before, but they did it very, very well in this movie. Yes. Yep. All right. T-dubs, what you got? Oh, it's poker face. Yeah. <laughs> because you, you witness like the, the origins of how he became poker face. And then there's a nice camera shot from behind with the lights yes. straight mm -hmm. through the hole of poker face. I was like, holy shit, like, okay, we're going to get real, real messed up now. <laughs> Things is going to get gross. <laughs> uh, all right, Steve, what you got? So mine is actually something we haven't touched on yet, and it's something not necessarily, um, I don't know how many other people noticed it, but uh, trying not to be spoilery, when, you, when they go to the basement mm -hmm. and find his wife, there is a shot that is extended and it just, it's a still shot. And that's what makes it kind of stand out because there's a lot of, as we have mentioned, there's a lot of quick cuts. There's a lot of flashing lights and that covers up effects, but there's a still shot of his wife and it's very, uh, very HR Geiger esque and with the tubes and the tentacles and everything just kind of mm. leading into her. Yeah. Not trying to spoil what's going on, but yeah, yeah it is. It, it, yeah, it honestly it's reminded just... me a lot of the scene in Army of the Dead where the zombie gets smashed between the two. Basically, the wall comes in and smashes the zombie, and then it comes out. And all oh, gunk, okay, yeah. All the yeah, yeah, is yeah. like spread out. <laughs> It, it looked no, it looked Steve. Great. Steve's onto something. Mm, Steve's onto something here with the Geiger reference. It, it reminded me a lot of the scene uh, from Prometheus where mm -hmm. you get the glimpse of uh, what's her face uh, after uh, Dr. Dumbshit. <laughs> yeah. Dr. Dumbshit after uh, David had done his work on her yeah, or whatever. Yes, yeah. As I was, yeah, because uh, there's Geiger, there's Geiger stuff that inspired that. Yeah. yeah. She's played. Yeah. She's played. And, uh, all of a sudden second. that thing starts. You know. Yeah, but just just going into his general art, you you can see a lot of that yeah. weird like. It's just yeah. it, fuck. It looked cool, you know. Yeah, it did. It's it it very cool. I, but I it find also, it interesting. It, just 
Oh, go go, yeah, go, go ahead. No, you go ahead, Adam. I was going to say, I found it very interesting that all of us saw that scene, but we all kind of had different movies that it reminded us. For me, it was <laughs> Silence of the Lambs. Oh, oh, but because it, it does kind of look like when Pembry's up on the cage. Exactly. Yeah. I'd fuck that's, me. that's where my mind immediately went to. Yeah. It looks a little bit like Pembry up on the cage because it has like the strong backlighting and the bright mm-hmm. lights. Yeah. Yep. Dude, and for sure, since like Hannibal did, I forget which episode of Hannibal where the guy was spread out across the barn. Basically, his oh, okay. skin yeah. had been spread out like that. Uh, yep. Midsummer. I mean, that's probably in there too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's that just a really me. well uh, done shot. Like it's, mm-hmm. and they hold yeah. on it, which is yeah, which is different from everything else in the film. That's why it stood out to me because it was. Well, a whole... it was a good effect, like you said. Yeah. Like they wanted to, they 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 said, "Hey, this works. We're using it. Yep. Don't cut away from that." Yep. Let's get our yeah. money's worth. Chumzilla, what's yours? Oh, for sure, it's Poker Face. Uh, <laughs> it felt like a tool video, but in real life. Yeah. Damn. Like I yeah. was like, that was that was metal. That was so metal. Like, dude. <laughs> that's cool and you know when the guys are doing that like this is fucking awesome this is gonna be so cool <laughs> like you know the thing the exact same thing oh yeah that was cool it was yeah it was a good effect because uh t-dubs hit on it it's creepy because he's banging his head on the pipe the monster driving this pipe through its head and then you get that camera shot through the hole that's that's art folks well that's art that's cinematography and you, and you touched on silent hill and i said resident evil and like these shots make you they evoke that like big time. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons I said Resident Evil because there's a point where this person getting stabbed in the eye with a with a with a uh, scissor, and they freeze on the guy, and the person's and the person who's stabbing this person slowly turns around, and it's just like the first zombie in Resident Evil. Yeah. It has that nice like oh, yeah, yeah. like holy shit, what is going on here exactly? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it does yeah. a really nice job with a lot of those things. Yep, and again, it's not jump scares. It's just building tension and dread, and 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 they do it well with the timing and the pacing. Yeah, it's, it's uh, not, they're not jump scares because it's never it's never something that it's not. It's never a cat that jumps out of a fucking cupboard. It's never just somebody who comes up behind somebody. It's always like, oh, monster time, more monster time, yeah. and more monster time. It, it's it's all bad. It's always yeah. bad. Nothing good <laughs> is ever around the corner. Yeah, yeah. there's no uh, relief. Yep, which is great. Um, yeah, it's a, this is a good. This is a good horror movie. Um, mm-hmm. But it's not perfect. So this is Mary McCheese's favorite question: Where did it go wrong, and or how would you improve the movie? I'll jump in and go first. It's simple for me. I would dump the Vincent, Simon, and State Trooper characters. That's the father, the son, and that State Trooper, and their whole like little subplots, and just have James the Junkie escape on his own. And then uh, have the sheriff calling back up uh, to the hospital, uh, you know, once he gets there. And then he's got a couple of deputies to take care of some, like, you know, the, the, the stuff that those other characters did. And that would leave more time for us to focus on him and his wife, because without getting into spoilers, there's a big deal in this movie about, like, motherhood and, and, and children. There's a whole, like, family thing about losing kids that's really the core plot of the movie aside from the cultists and the, and the, the old gods and that stuff. And that's all related to, for the record, we already talked about the, the, the mother being splayed open and let's just say there's a womb thing going on there. Um, so that's really the emotional core of the movie. So I think if you just kind of eliminate some of the side plots, focus more on that and you can still have those, those like 
ancillary characters on the side to, to do stuff and carry that plot weight because ultimately Vinny and Simon are basically just NPC party members that don't do anything that couldn't be picked up by a deputy or two. And plus, if one of those deputies does die, which of course one of them would have to at least, right? It's a bigger deal for the sheriff. It's a bigger sacrifice. So I think that continues to add to the emotional weight of the movie. Boom. Hire me as a script doctor, Astron 6. Like this is free advice I'm giving you. This is gold. So um, I'll go to you, Steve. Any notes or pointers you'd give these guys? Well, I might have a little bit of a rebuttal to what you just said, but oh, absolutely, um, let's hear it. Yeah, uh, I think you're kind of wrong with that. I'm sorry. Okay, uh, but my my thing about getting rid of those characters is that one, when we first introduced to them, they're murderers. We don't know why they're murdering, but they are murdering. So when yep. they reappear again later in the story, it creates chaos. We don't, know that we don't know that they're actually on the side of good. If you replace those characters with deputies, you're already in a safe zone because you know they're deputies. No, that's very fair. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's exactly why I'd want to replace them because the cultists that show up are already a big enough threat and things get nah. weird enough, fast <laughs> enough. Like I, I don't need my human characters fighting in this movie. Um, the emotional... The emotional uh, conflict between the sheriff and his estranged wife is enough between the human characters for me. I'm good there. That's yeah, just my I, personal I, opinion. Yeah, that's fine. I think it. I think it adds more of a sense of the overwhelming madness to the whole situation. Oh, it, of, it definitely ramps how, up the tension for sure. You make a very yeah. good point because they come in there and they are chaos. Yeah, but also because it, they're it aggressive extends, and they have guns and they they upset the balance. Yeah, it shows the extent of what's going on, like that it, it probably encompasses this entire town because you have this farmhouse that's involved. You have these guys that have no tie to law enforcement at all. Yeah, you know, they're also being dragged into this. You have junkies dragged into it. You have just the hospital dra- and everything gets taken over. You have to you have to assume that like even though what we're focused on in the movie is the main plot, you have to assume that there's like occult murders going on across the town. Yeah. Hey, and I want to be clear here because I know I said, I didn't want to get into details and spoil too much, but I was confused the first like two times I watched this movie, even after reading the plot synopsis. Cause I, I didn't read that ahead of time. I wanted this mm-hmm. thing cold. Um, then I came back and read it because I was confused. Like, why those the father's son characters like what's their deal because they do have a bit of resolution at the end and it doesn't didn't make sense to me the first time i understood it slightly better the second time and the third time i get it they're they were attacked by the cultists at some point and i believe mm-hmm. their mother was their wife slash mother was murdered and i think it was the wife they, and maybe a little a, sister, a sister as well yeah wife yeah exactly sister. And so they're out for revenge. They don't necessarily understand the supernatural aspects of what's going on. Right. They just know that the, the people in the white robes are ritualistically killing people. Yeah. And, and, and again, I'm just confused why the kid was mute. He has a neck wound, just for the record. He has a neck wound. And I, I didn't know they were father and son the first time I watched it. I didn't pick up on that at all. Even at the end, when they have like a dream sequence and they try to give the backstory, I didn't understand it. I was confused. Um, but yeah, I think it, it makes more sense to your point. What, if you understand clearly what they're doing, they're out for revenge, mm-hmm. but they also don't know what's going on. And they're equally as confused as the sheriff and everybody at the hospital, but 
they've got like one piece of information they don't have. Yeah, exactly. But, and, and that, but and that's not why the full like picture. Yeah. yeah, that's why I no, like that's, it. That's, I, I like the full it, chaos. It's an interesting that. concept. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The one thing that did break it for me, though, there is kind of a late stage creature effect that it just it came off a little camp. It went a little too far, and just it when when the monster comes in the frame, it just doesn't have the weight and realness of other monsters. So it's very the thing esque, mm-hmm. right? Well, you get to you get to the very end, and it's like, oh, that could have been stronger. It yeah. looks it looks puppety, by yeah, like and, and it's like very like weighty moment. And you're like, oh yeah, it looks like a puppet, but, like. They, they they showed us just a little too much of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. They probably yeah. should have cropped that shot just for, a little bit. For most of the movie, they they quick cut away, which I guess would be my criticism. But my only criticism of the movie is that I love the white robed guys, and I love the mm-hmm. introduction of them, and the, I I think the slow creep of them on the hospital needed to feel more menacing, and you don't get it enough of it. Like a lot of times they look out, they're just not there. Like it's almost like they should have showed it, and like you could feel it getting closer as a viewer, and then you see it getting closer, and you just mm-hmm. don't get that. That's the Agreed. only thing I almost, really change. Yeah, about the movie. I yep. agree. It almost seems like the noose is tightening as the movie goes along. You, you could have used that, them that as a tension building there. device. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Uh, but they are great visual, though. I will say oh, that. Yeah. Again, they knew what worked. Like, oh, this works. Let's use it. And they probably they could have used that more, and they probably should have used that last puppet a little less. less. Yeah, if there uh, was like one shot of like the cultists up against the hospital door yes. that you saw them through, mm-hmm. yeah. but they they still weren't moving, that probably would have been like really selling of like, oh yeah, yeah. we're trapped. Right. There's they, they, yeah. they almost like they kind of got forgotten about in the second half of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they, they even well, they, that... they show up. They show up in the end. They they true. are in the, this the is basement, true. but the they, quote unquote basement. But, they have yeah. that, but you, you know. never you never see them get anywhere close to the doors. To to, no. to your point, they never they right. never come close to the the physical front doors of the hospital. It actually happens um, off screen, which is kind of like a bummer. Like that's the front door. The old guy says that's the front door. It's like no, mm-hmm. you gotta like you have to show it so you feel it like. Yeah, holy yeah. shit we didn't get this done now like we're in a lot of trouble uh, and it's just sort of like a throwaway yeah. but otherwise you know yeah you know but i get yeah. it because they had they didn't have the, the money so they well, did and really, the money. i mean and, and how interesting can you make the guys come through the door really i mean yeah you could probably do something there but they're probably like you know what they get inside they're inside done <laughs> um any notes adam anything you got you add change no it, it, the only thing that i would have would have uh changed and it was already talked about was you know the cultists in the second half of the movie they kind of got swept under the rug a little bit they weren't you know they weren't there at all until like you said the very end again and they didn't do anything there either they're just part of the they're just props right yeah and and i and i felt like yes they were there to kind of start the story but then they were kind of forgotten about as other things came along which i get if you're looking at it from from their perspective, from the character's perspective, they got bigger fish to fry. So why do we yep. care about these guys outside? They're not doing anything right now. So why do we even have to talk about them? Well, so theoretically, I- their leader has stuff under control, right? So maybe he's just telling like, hey, fellas, you can just chill out. I got this. Right, know. right. Take a parade, rest <laughs> for 10 minutes. Yeah, t- but take it- a blow, fellas. We got this. <laughs> 
but I, I felt like in the second half, they were kind of forgotten about a little bit and they could have been there to kind of amp things up just a little bit. If they're showing up again once in a while. Yeah. Hey, I'm not going to get a chance to mention this again, but I was convinced earlier, I think it was you, Steve, that mentioned the shot of the, of the wife, uh, you know, bisected. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought you were going somewhere else with that comment, because at the end of this movie, the son character, as he is in his con, the final conflict uh, with him and his dad and one of the monsters. Did you guys see his mother over his shoulder? No, um, no, go, I don't go, remember go, that. Because uh, spoiler, folks, there's a scene at the end where there's a flare and there's a fire thing, which kind of parallels a fight he has with his dad earlier, where he has to use the flare against his dad because they're mm. having a moment of madness. Right now, he has to use the flare again, but this time his dad wants him to use it. And there is a shot of him like huddled up as his dad's being tentacle raped, and <laughs> and. It cuts to him, to the kid, to the son, and over his shoulder is his, I, I think it's his mother. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it could be the, the nurse. I can't really tell, but I think it's supposed to be his mom holding a baby. Oh, okay. I, I saw Shit. it on my third viewing. Go back I, I and think watch that final scene. I think, scene. It's his. Yeah, I think they're reliving an experience, prior experience. Like, uh, no, 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 not that, not that, not that, no, not that scene, oh, uh, Thunderous Wizard. But a big thing when is they're they, fighting, when they're fighting, when they're fighting the monster and yeah. his dad's telling, his dad's like dousing the thing with the isopropyl alcohol, yeah. it cuts to him and he's got the, he lights the flare. And when he holds it up behind him is a woman holding a baby. Oh, well, the thing is, they, they tell pants. you that <laughs> the, whatever this is, it gets inside your head. Right, right. It's driving everyone mad the closer so, they are to it. We forgot to yeah, mention to this. Go, go back, go back. I, that's your homework, guys. Go back, watch that final scene. It's it just like one shot and they cut back to it and it's not there the next time. Mm-hmm. It's there the okay. first time. It's not there afterwards. Just one, one of the shots, there's a woman holding a baby. And I was like, holy shit. Um, <laughs> and the, another cool aspect of this movie, because we're not, it's not going to come up again, uh, there are some there are CGI scenes in this movie. These like of these otherworldly landscapes. I really enjoyed that element too, because yeah. as, as T Dubs just mentioned, some of the characters start to have visions at some points during the movie, and they have these like dream sequences of these weird otherworldly swirling cloud effects and stuff like that. It's pretty cool and it really sets the tone for the movie because it's it's weird for the sake of weird, and I'm here for that. Strangely, I I misremembered myself those landscapes and i always remember them as like tentacles reaching down out of the clouds but re-watching it that's not there no so it, just, that's I, on the movie I, poster that's on, yeah. the, on the art but yeah, yeah not i just injected yeah. that myself like into yeah. the movie <laughs> i'm like hey wait a minute <laughs> Were, yeah. weren't there space monsters Son of a bitch. <laughs> i'm not saying there aren't we right. just don't see it that's right hey, just don't see them yeah all right, listener, we need to take a break and freshen up our brews before heading into the competitive portion of the pod. Up next is the Avoid the Void Trivia Challenge. In the meantime, here's a message from our Wobam Entertainment tag team partners over at the Double Turn Podcast. 
Hey, what's going on, everybody? I'm Boss Ross. And I'm the J-Man, and we're the Double Turn Podcast. Every Friday, we bring you the best in pro wrestling talk. Whether it's previews and reviews on pay-per-view events, discussing the hottest topics in pro wrestling, or bringing you a look back to some of the best matches and moments in history. We have it all for you. So check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and the Anchor app. And you can also give us a follow on Instagram at the Double Turn Podcast. And we will catch you on the flip side. Welcome back to Hops and Box Office Flops, presented by Wobam Entertainment. It's finally time for the Avoid the Void Trivia Challenge. It's the standard format, gentlemen. Five questions, multiple choice. And tonight you'll be playing for one of the screen-used white cultist robes. No, not the racist American kind, the otherworldly horror Canadian kind. Tonight's chime-in is, we're in hell, which is the best one-liner I could pull from this movie. Along with the pod standards, I'm going to shoot and tarts and farts. Are you ready? Let's make this happen. Yep. All right. Question number one. Aaron Poole, the movie's star, had his first acting role as an accredited extra in a fan favorite X-Files episode, DPO. This episode starred Giovanni Rabisi as the monster of the week, Darren Peter Oswald. He had lightning powers. It's not important. Another now big Hollywood name appeared in the episode as well. Who was it? Was it A, Ryan Reynolds? David Was it? (laughs) (laughs) That's technically not wrong, but also not one of the answers. Also, he didn't use the chime in thing, so he's disqualified. (laughs) He is disqualified. Yep. Uh, I'll repeat the uh, answers again. Was it A, Ryan Reynolds? Toronto native. Was it B? No, actually, no, he's from Vancouver. Uh, I yeah, believe the show is shot from Winnipeg, you idiot. <laughs> no, no, he's from Vancouver. His Twitter oh, handle is like Van City Red. Van Ci- yeah, Van City. I can't remember. Was X Files shot in Toronto or Vancouver? It was shot in Canada. It doesn't matter. It was, it was shot a, all over. Yeah. Was it A, Ryan Reynolds, B, Jack Black, C, Luke Wilson, or D, Owen Wilson? We're in hell. Let's hear it, Steve. Luke Wilson. Luke Wilson is in one of my favorite episodes, but it's not this one. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> Can you steal Adam? Would you like your remaining answers? Oh, yes, yes. What do I have available? You've got A, Ryan Reynolds, B, Jack Black, or, or I'm sorry, D, Owen Wilson. I have to go with Owen Wilson. Mm, nope, I am sorry. Owen Wilson is not the correct answer. It was B, Jack Black. Really? That was my yep. guess. Yeah. Damn. Well, you should have, for the record, should have <laughs> held on to your wad. Also, that's what, G- <laughs> that's what happens. We don't play by the rules. Also, yep. Jillian Anderson. Second, second <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> also, hey. J.K. Simmons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you go, you should Google uh, uh, celebrity cameos on the X Files. It's an extensive list, and I'm yeah. surprised by some of them. It's like it ranks up there with Law and Order. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, also, they're tied universes, Adam. Did you know that? Really? With yes. law and order? Yes. I didn't because, know that. Well, I'll <laughs> explain it real quickly. All right. Detective Munch is on mm-hmm. Law and Order SVU. Detective uh, yeah. also got his start in, uh, what was it, Homicide Life on the Streets? Yes. But he also appears in the X-Files. Oh. So hey, wait. I did not know that. Now we've got a pro wrestling tie-in because Richard Belzer had the Richard Belzer show and Hulk Hogan once choked <laughs> him out on his own show. <laughs> yeah. 
but he didn't hey. check out he didn't choke out detective munch no. also i believe detective munch appears in the wire as well so the x-files wow. and the wire are a shared universe yeah so i'll just say this on the pro <laughs> wrestling front uh thunderous wizard the two best cameos in the history of the x-files come in the same episode and uh it's the jose chung episode which is outstanding it's it is excellent television excellent comedy my favorite x-files episode of all time you get both alex trebek and jesse the body oh i thought i thought there was two wrestlers in that show i was like i got jesse the body as a men in black but i didn't know who the other wrestler was true story alex trebek was canadian stampede wrestling's uh, middleweight champion for, oh, okay. for 15 <laughs> Eight years prior times. to hosting jeopardy <laughs> yeah he's he has a 4-0 record against don Callis. <laughs> what was his favorite match what is a ladder match alex trebek, <laughs> alex trebek. <laughs> Rip Alex. Okay, well, we are tied up at Goose Eggs, heading into question number two. Before Stephen Kostansky directed Psycho Gorman, he directed an entry in the Leprechaun film series. Which one was it? Was it A, Leprechaun 4, colon, in space, B, Leprechaun Back to the Hood, C, Leprechaun, colon, Origins, or D, Leprechaun Returns. Where's the farts? I believe that was the Thunderous Wizard. As much as I would like for it to be Leprechaun 4 in space, and I feel like that would fit their filmography. Uh, That's Leprechaun 4 colon in space. space. It's Leprechaun Returns. (laughs) That is correct. Uh, Now we're, by the way, we're back to wrestling because Leprechaun Origin stars the wrestler Hornswoggle, who was Fit Finley's bastard son, who was a leprechaun. (laughs) I don't think any of that's true. You're just making this up. I'm not making this up. I wish no. I was. No, Mm-mm. I don't believe any of that. That's nonsense talk right there. Okay, that's one point for the Thunderous Wizard. Sorry, Steve. I, I, I think I heard his chime in first, but it could just be my my lag. So I apologize. So with a Zoom's one point fault. lead for the Thunderous, <laughs> yeah, it's Zoom's fault. Uh, with a one point lead for the Thunderous Wizard, we head into question number three. Art Hindle who plays the state trooper, starred in one of David Cronenberg's cult classic body horror films. Can anyone tell me which one it was? Was it A, The Brood, B, Shivers, C, Rabid, or D, Video Rome? You mean Video Drome? Video Drome, yeah. If you want to watch a movie where uh, James Woods puts a cigarette out on a topless Debbie Harry, that's the movie for you. I mean, you could watch that. The TV like, tries to get him to fuck it. It's pretty at, good. Yeah, at any mm-hmm. point now, he's putting cigarettes out on people. So he's got to find him. It's not Debbie Harry. He's yeah. he's had to you know downgrade from there. What was Art Hindle that, in? That's a fantastically bizarre movie for the record. Videodrome, whatever. There's a reference to Pittsburgh in that movie. It's been forever since I've seen it, but I know there's oh, a there's a strong ca- reference to Pittsburgh. I caught that like late night on satellite back when I was a bachelor and still had like direct tv with all the channels and mm-hmm. i was just like what the hell am i watching holy <laughs> shit this is weird like it's real weird also but yeah reference... this... oh go ahead no i was good no it's just vamping i was just gonna say there's also a reference to rollerball about pittsburgh being one of the most violent teams i'm just vamping i don't know the yeah. answer i don't either yeah. anybody don't anybody going once going twice i do not know the answer no, no, i gonna take a guess it was A, The Brood. Mm. I released wrong. in 1979. Fun fact, folks, The Brood 
was basically inspired by uh, I think it was Kramer versus Kramer. Oh, okay. Wait, what? The divorce uh, movie? <laughs> yeah, the yep. cork trauma. <laughs> yep, because Cronenberg uh, was going through a divorce at the time, and he didn't like the way that that movie portrayed the divorce as being like kind of hunky dory and having a happy ending. So he made this really, really horrible movie about. Uh, it's just hard to describe, but yeah, it's it's his dissatisfaction with Kramer versus Kramer. I just want to and say we, we got the brood. We, we keep referencing wrestling because the brood was the vampire cult in WWF in the, <laughs> in the late nineties. Again, this is all nonsense. You're just making this up as you go. Okay, well, the Thunder and Squiz and Grills nonsense. Real. Yeah. <laughs> well, regardless of the Thunderous Wizards wrestling nonsense, he is still in the lead with one point as we head into question number four. Kenneth Welsh, aka Dr. Powell, appeared in a Fantastic Four movie. Which version was he in? Was he in A, the Corman one, B, the first Fox one, C, Rise of the Silver Surfer? Or D, fan four stick. I'm going to shoot my tentacle. Okay, Thunderous Wizard. I'm just going with Corman. He seems like a Corman guy. <laughs> <laughs> Oddly enough, he did not play the jeweler. No, no, that, uh, that is incorrect. Can anyone steal? I mean, what the hell? I'll steal. Stop okay. it. My mom will shoot. Adam? Uh, I'll say it was the first Fox one. That is also incorrect. Okay, Dang. Steve, you've got a 50-50 here. You've got Rise of the Silver Surfer or Fan Four Stick. Oh, man. There's no... Dad, would he really get caught? Uh, you know what? Yeah. I'm going to shoot. I'm going to go with okay. the... I'm going to go with the uh, the Trank abomination. Oh, no. I am sorry. That is the incorrect <sighs> answer. He was one of the uh. random... The military doctors in Rise of the Silver Surfer, uh, allegedly. I, I didn't really, I didn't bother to watch <laughs> what IMDb said. Okay, so Thunderous Wizard, you have survived another round. You still lead with one point as we head into question number five. Somebody could tie this up, and we'll have to split the robe. Uh, what crowdfunding platform did the producer slash directors use to raise funds for all the creature effects in this I'm movie? Shoot. Uh, I got uh, pod rules. Answers must be read first. Oh, it, but you're not disqualified, though. You didn't answer, so you're not disqualified. Is it A, GoFundMe? Is it B, Indiegogo? Is it C, Kickstarter? Or D, Patreon? I'm a shoot. That Indiegogo. goes to Steve. It was Indiegogo. And that, folks, is a tie. Thunderous Wizard, Steve, I'll leave it up to you. Do you guys want me to split the gown vertically or horizontally? How do you want it? Horizontally, I want the bottom. Yep. Yep. Okay. Fine. All right. T dubs, you get the top. And uh, Steve, you get the bottom. Basically, he gets a crop top and a hood, which is funnier. (laughs) He gets to be a Canadian tire minion. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Not nearly enough Canadian tuxedos in this movie. I'm just saying. I can go to a nude beach as a cultist, and I'm perfectly fine with that. Yep. Yep. (laughs) I'm just saying this cultist should have been rocking the denim on denim. That would have been with just like the yeah, like no ski shit. mask on. You know, you get the Canadian tuxedo with that weird symbol. That's tough. That's, yeah, that's, that's really intimidating. It's like a it turns How's from like a cult was- to a biker gang. It gets a little tougher, you know. Maybe they could hit some snow machines or something. I don't know. Just gonna send it. Well, don't be silly. I'm gonna send it. Cult of Rowls Dowers? No, thank you. 
Uh, well, all right. I appreciate the solid efforts there in the trivia section of the pod. And uh, that brings us to our recommendations. Thunderous Wizard, would you like to start us off? Yeah, I, I actually have a couple. So, uh, I, of course, my Jackie Chan rewatch is ongoing. So Project A, another crazy stunt there where he hangs from a clock tower and nearly kills himself. Uh but if you like a really claustrophobic, low-budget horror movie, and I hadn't seen it in a long time, and it was actually recommended when I pulled this up, Splinter, where this sort of uh, sharp, barbed thing pokes something, and if it does, like it will spread throughout you, like you're you are now infected. Uh, it's cool. It's it's starring Paulo Costanzo, uh, Shea Wiggum. If you like uh, Kong. Skull Island, he's the dipshit who tries to blow up the skull crawler and gets tail whipped in the mountain. He's a good actor, but he's in it. Uh, it's a cool movie. It's very low budget, very intimate, claustrophobic, small cast, uh, splinter that I'd watch it. It's free on Prime. So that's my recommendation. I'm right on. Steve, you got anything to recommend to the listener? Oh, I've got plenty. Uh, oh boy (laughs) we're gonna run out of tape if you get him going but yeah but i'll keep it to i'll keep it to three short ones um my my first recommendation is probably the most important though uh nobody sleeps in the woods tonight Hmm. it's uh it's on netflix it's a small low budget film out of poland and it's billed as their first slasher film uh we spent a lot of time on this show talking about how good the practical effects in in the void were Again, this film is a lot of practical effects. And it's uh, different from this film, though, though. They do it a lot in daylight. So you see the full effect. You see everything. You know, there's, there's, wow. not, yeah, there's not a lot of camera trickery, and there's not a lot of uh, CGI either. There's some to sweeten some of the effects, but overall, yeah, really good, uh, uh, really good opening film. It is really reference-heavy but I think a lot of people would enjoy it. Uh, but if you're watching that, then you might as well also watch The Burning from 1981 and Sleepaway Camp from 1983. And then you can listen to the first episode of Halloween is Forever because those are all the movies we cover. Ah. <laughs> uh, actually, I'm super stoked to listen to that. Uh, and uh, the first film you referenced, like when we did our horror month back in October, and that popped mm-hmm. up on like things you should watch. And then I did, and I didn't wind up recommending, but it was like, that movie's freaking awesome. Yeah. 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 Like, so definitely. Yeah, like some people might find it like derivative and, you know, you, and a lot of people might just enjoy the references, but overall, yeah, it's a, it's a good fun watch and it doesn't drag too much as well. So yeah, check it out. Oh, right on Adam, what you got? So I'm going to go in a slightly different direction here. Uh, everybody's been recommending movies, but I'm going to recommend some beers here that we need to we need to discuss a little bit. Uh, this Excellent. Is the, this is the second beer that I had on the show, and I haven't really had a chance to talk about it. But this is probably one of the, the best beers coming out of the southeast United States. It comes from Burial Brewery. Mm. You mm. hear that noise that Steve made? That means it's good. Ah, so they make some grunts of of pleasure that we hope it's just grunts, but uh, they have some shoes. (laughs) 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 
but they have some of the best can art uh, on the market today. That's pretty metal. Uh, it, it is 100% metal, and the beer inside the can backs up what they have on the outside of the can. The one that I have right now is the Metallic Vessels. It's a black lager with coffee, and it is fantastic. Uh, so if you are able to get your hands on any burial beer, get it. They're right out on. of Asheville, North Carolina. Ah. So Asheville is a lovely town. They are an Asheville is a, an absolute hotbed for craft beer. Mm-hmm. You can't swing a dead cat without hitting a good brewery in there. <laughs> it's a very nice area. It's a very cool spot. So it yeah, get yeah. yourself some burial. Check out the can art. Yeah. Hey, I'm down here in the South. I should, I have not seen that, but I'll have to keep an eye out for it. Cause it sounds like worth checking out. Absolutely. 100%. If you see it, get it deal. Uh, so my recommendation is a John Carpenter film that has a bit of its DNA in this movie, the void, uh, the strange mob surrounding the main character's building, Lovecraftian weirdness, etc. cetera, uh, which is 1987's Prince of darkness. We mentioned this during the Big Trouble pod because it was one of the independent films Carpenter directed after the commercial failure of Big Trouble. Uh, He did that and uh, They Live, which is awesome. Again, for wrestling reference, shout out to Rowdy Roddy Piper, Rip Buddy. Um, We should have made a bigger deal out of it because The Prince of Darkness features Victor Eggshin Wong and Dennis Wang Dunn. It also has Donald Halloween Pleasance and Alice Miliwake Cooper. Come on, who doesn't want a horror movie directed by John Carpenter with Alice Cooper in it? That just sounds awesome. It's pretty great. It's a pretty weird movie, and it is pretty, yeah. it's pretty solid. Um, and you definitely, if you watch The Void and Prince of Dark Dish, you're like, ah. Yeah. I'm not I'm not really for a lot of remakes or anything. And the thing is, like, Prince of Darkness is a good film on its own. But that's a film that relies so heavily on science and technology that it could use an update for what we know now. To your point that this is a movie that would benefit from a bigger budget. Mm -hmm. They they wanted to do more, but they yeah, I I feel like they trimmed it down to make it work with what Carpenter had the funding for. Right. But I I mean, it's it's a cool movie. It's a cool movie. But if you look at like Big Trouble and the thing and all that like technology is what it is in yeah. those films and they don't play a big role you know aside no. from the chess machine and the thing you know Otherwise, right exactly no to your point it's a hard science fiction film yeah. Yeah. to a certain degree like there's a technology aspect there it's not just supernatural there's also yeah. some science yeah. but it, it but yeah it would be really cool kind of updated with current tech yeah. and current science as we know it but yeah i love and- that film it used to be streaming for free. I don't think it is anymore, but you know, you know, check around. You might be able to find it. Um, and also Loki came out this week on Disney plus. So I'm going to steal that as a recommendation now. So Captain cash can't use it later. Boom. <laughs> Suck it cash. Uh, he's getting for not he's, being here. He's going to use it later. <laughs> well, I, I know, but now I, we can really give him a hard time for it. Cause it's, it's been claimed. The first episode was pretty mad. It was all right. Uh, all right, so for our next episode, Thunderous Wizard, what are we looking forward to as we head further into June? So, yeah, we're, we're starting Fantasy Month, and I think we're kicking off with Legend, the uh, Ridley Shit, Scott yeah. movie starring Tom Cruise, and uh, it's a fantastic film. Tim Curry is the devil. If you haven't seen Legend, you're going to love Legend. 
And I think we're doing the director's cut as we should. So you sh- as you should. And if you haven't seen Legend, you still have seen Tim Curry's devil makeup because it's iconic. Like that's probably more recognizable than anything else in the movie. Oh, hundred percent. It's probably as iconic, if not more, than his Pennywise. Oh, yeah. I mean, but I, I think it's one of those things where people have seen Tim Curry in that devil makeup, and they don't know a that it's Tim Curry or b what it's from. But they, oh, it's that devil thing with the giant horns. Well, now Nobody like, knows oh, that. Holy shit, that's the asshole from Home Alone too. Not Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> the other asshole. <laughs> the the other asshole from yeah. Home Alone too. But would you eat Satan's sesame cakes? I would never. Nope. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if they serve. I don't know if they serve sesame cakes in hell, but I'm not. You're not. I'm not, you're not eating them. I'm not ready for that smoke. So. All right. That's a real deep Congo reference, Adam. Yeah. <laughs> I know you're yeah. kind of lost at the moment. That's a Congo totally. reference. One hundred percent. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. We we did Congo on the pod. Yeah. Okay. Shout out to Congo. I, I just know Congo. Smile and nod. And Delroy Lindo <laughs> and his sesame cakes. Tim Curry eats Delroy Lindo sesame cakes. Ernie Hudson is surprisingly in that film, and it goes, "Oh wow." He was like an action star for a minute. <laughs> and, and Captain Cash will tell you, he should have been a leading man. Hollywood missed out. Yeah. Sorry, Dirty Hudson. We still love you, buddy. Well, all right. Well, thanks for joining us tonight, loyal listener. And thank you, Hop Nation USA dudes, for taking the time to have a few brews with us and talk bad movies. It was a pleasure having you on the pod. Don't forget, you can find the pod anywhere you find your finer podcasts. You can follow us on the socials at Hops and B.O. Flops. Adam and Steve, go ahead and give your moms and our one listener your shameless plugs. Oh, Steve, you get to do it this time. Okay. If you want to find us, all you have to do is search Hop Nation USA and they'll get you Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And if you want to find brand new episodes of Hop Nation USA podcast every Friday, as you should, then search Hop Nation USA on your favorite podcatcher like Stitcher Podbean, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Player FM. Anything that starts in pod ends in cast. We're on those and leave us a five star review because we are a six star show, but they only let us use five. And that's a bigger crime than shooting a bunch of apes with a laser built from blood diamonds. That's crazy as hell. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's a wrap, folks. And we'll catch you next time in the void. Eh?